If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 2. Give you some time to get there because you might not know where it's at. It's in the Old Testament. I entitled this message this morning, Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of, and I'll let you fill that blank in this morning. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of. You see, we're all pursuing something in life. Whether it be a career through a you know, certain position or, or, or title, or maybe, maybe even an income. Maybe you're chasing after a certain uh, a, a money figure. Maybe it's, not, maybe it's different for some. Maybe it's retirement. Maybe you're pursuing retirement dreams and goals. Maybe for some it's marriage. To have some kids, to get a house, to travel across the world, and the list goes on. You see, we're all pursuing something, and if we're honest with ourselves, we can answer that question to ourselves when we say, what am I pursuing in life? And you will, you will come to find that we are all pursuing something. What are you putting all of your time and effort toward? That would be the, pers- that would be the thing that you are pursuing in life. See, we all know that our time is valuable, don't we? Time is valuable. What do I mean by that? Well, you can't make more time. You can't get back time. This past second that just went by, you can't get it back. No matter how hard you try, no matter how much money you have. So what it comes down to is that we don't want to waste our valuable time pursuing things in life that God does not want us pursuing. Amen? How many of you want to pursue things in life that God wants you to pursue? Hopefully all of us. I know we all have, you know, dreams and and ambitions and goals, and these are all good. But we came to an agreement that time is valuable. And we don't want to waste this time. See, God doesn't want us pursuing things that are meaningless. Let's look at the life of Solomon. As we read here in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 2, beginning in verse number 1. King Solomon, the Bible says the most wisest man, says these words. He said, I said in my heart, come now, he's speaking to himself, come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. How many heard people say, "Uh, I just want to enjoy myself? How many of you ever said that to to someone else? I just want to do things that make me happy, right? Maybe we don't say it, but we're thinking it on the inside. And this is what Solomon was saying on the inside. He said, but behold, this was also vanity. He said, I said of laughter, it is mad, and of pleasure, what use is it? I searched with my heart how to cheer my body with wine. My heart still guided 
my heart still guiding me with wisdom. And how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forest of growing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. I had also great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of the sons of man. And so I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me. And whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil. And this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had expended in doing it. And behold, all was vanity and a striving after wind. And there was nothing to be gained under the sun. Very important verse here in the Bible to teach us so much. And we're going, to, we're going to break this down in a minute here and see how God wants to direct our lives in the right direction. You see, Solomon pursued seven things in Ecclesiastes chapter 2 alone. Seven things, he said. He said he pursued drinking, possessions, relationships, money, work, music, and then lastly, fame and power. He says this in, in verse 10. He says, whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure. The message translation of verse 10 reads like this. And it says, everything I wanted, I took. I never said no to myself. He said, I gave in to every impulse, held nothing back. What a dangerous place to be, isn't it? When you live life to just feel the desires of your flesh. And yes, it may for a moment bring some enjoyment, but the Bible says that sin only lasts for a season. The pleasures of this sin it's only temporary. You see, we try, to fill, we try to fill gaps in our lives with these things, with these things that Solomon found himself chasing. And we look to fill ourselves. Well, maybe this, maybe this is the answer to my problems. And this is what we do in life. This is what we chase after. And this is what we pursue many times. 
And Solomon says, beware, beware, because I've done these things. And it's all vanity. It's all vanity. It's all meaningless. You see, why is this important? Well, it is so crucial in our lives. Because like I said before, we are all pursuing something. All, every single one of you here is pursuing something. What is it? I read this quote. And it says, if you chase two rabbits, both will escape. Why? Because you can't, you can't chase both at the same time. What he's saying is, hey, you got to pursue one thing. You got to keep focus on one thing. Don't try to do ten things at once. Uh, uh, you, you multitaskers here. How many know that if you try to do too many things at once, you're going to be good at none of them? You ever heard that, that saying, uh, 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 what, what is, how does it go? Uh, jack of all trades, master of none? We know exactly what that means. That means that we, can, we, we probably know how to do these things, but we don't really focus on one thing. And so we're, we've mastered none. That's why Jesus says, you cannot... You cannot serve two masters. Why? Because you will hate the one and love the other. You can't love both. And he goes on to say, you cannot love both God and money, right? That's how he continues that. See, it's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of your pursuit. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of whatever it is that you find yourself pursuing in life. I remember watching uh, The Last Samurai. A lot, of, a lot of my quotes come from movies because I watched a lot of movies. I remember The Last Samurai, the, the, the samurai leader was telling uh, Tom Cruise, uh, he was saying, he said, you have too many mind. And no, I didn't say it wrong. This is what he said. He said, you have too many mind. He said, you mind this and you mind that. You have too many mind. What was he saying? He was saying is that you're not focused. You're not here. You're thinking about your past and you're thinking about what you need to do in order to correct your past, but you're not focusing on the present. You're not focusing on what you need to do right now to get your life in order. See, many times we do this right. We may, we may think about things that we, we should have did in the past. You can't get back time. Stop living 12 years in the past. God wants you to live for today, amen? He wants you to live for right now. And I don't mean that you should, you should do whatever you want, you know, just living for right now, Right? I think, we've, I think we've gone past the YOLO stage in this, in this uh, uh, country, thank God. I mean, I can say amen to that. That's a dangerous statement. It only leads to doing things that you're going to end up regretting in life, isn't it? Amen. But we are past that. 
We need to look forward to what God has in store and where God wants to take us. The purpose that he has given us and the direction and the pursuit. Solomon said, chasing after all these things was meaningless. It was all vanity. Vanity is this. Any effort to obtain happiness without putting God first. Any effort to obtain happiness without putting God first. Why? Because vanity focuses on self, doesn't it? When you hear the word vanity, what do you think of? You think of a mirror. That's what I do. When I, when I hear the word vanity, I think of, I think of that, that, that mirror that sits in some people's rooms, and they have a little seat right there, and you can get ready right there, right? It's a little vanity, right? Because you focus on yourself. You're looking at yourself. You're getting yourself ready. You're getting yourself to look pretty, right? When God says, you already look good, stop focusing on self and focus on the calling that I have upon your life. Because if you, if you try yourself to get yourself ready, you're going to fail. You're going to end up not liking what you're wearing. How many ever not liked what you were wearing? Maybe you put on some clothes this morning and you thought, oh, that's not going to work. And then what happened? You got stressed out. You know what? I'm not going to church. I can't even find something good to wear. Does that sound like anybody here this morning? Why? Because you were focusing on self. God says, I don't care what you wear. Wear something, right? right? Wear something, but I don't care how it looks. Just get yourself to church. Just get yourself with, your, with the fellow believers, with the body of Christ, and you give me praises. Pursue the things that matter. <laughs> I was just thinking it's, it's going to be interesting to see what people wear on Wednesday. <laughs> but I'm sure you're all going to look good. <laughs> Pastor said, you know, don't worry about what I wear. <laughs> See, many, many people in life will sadly come to a place and they'll look back and they'll think, why did I waste so much time focusing on this? Have you ever been there before? I've been there. I've been there many times. Why did I waste my time pursuing this and that? Why did I do it? It didn't even matter. Why did I waste my time worrying about this? God had it all under control. Why did I do that? Well, let me save you some regret and heartache and start being obedient to God's voice in your life. Amen? Start being obedient to God in his calling So what can we learn from Solomon and his pursuits? What can the word of God teach us so that we don't waste our time chasing things that don't matter? Well, let's look at the seven things that I mentioned earlier. Make sure you're taking notes because I'm going to mention a lot of things here. Take notes. Put it in your phone. I find that that's the easiest way for me because you always have your phone on you, so you can always look at your notes later on. 
we'll be looking at these seven things that Solomon pursued a little differently this morning. All right, number one, Solomon pursued drinking, the Bible says. So what does that mean for us? That means that we need to be sober-minded. Amen? In 1 Peter 5, uh, verse 8, Peter writes this, and he says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. He says, Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. I think of Noah back in, back in Genesis chapter 9, when Noah found him, when Noah was drunk. Do you think Noah at that time was ready to combat the attack of the enemy upon his life? Do you think he was ready? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. The Bible, the Bible explains his state as a state of stupor, which is basically a lack of sense. He had no sense. If someone came his way to try to attack him, he wouldn't know what to do. Why? Because he was in a state of unconsciousness. We know that that's not where God has us to be, amen? God wants us to be alert. I learned this in Royal Rangers growing up. Be alert. Be ready for anything. It's always stuck with me. Be ready for anything. What does that mean? That God wants you to be sober-minded. God wants you to be ready because guess what? There is a real enemy, and guess what? He really wants to take you out. This isn't, this isn't fun and games. This isn't just a little story that you read in the Bible. It is real. So how are you dealing with this real battle? Are you in a state of unconsciousness in your life? Do you find yourself in a state, uh, a spiritual state of having no sense? Be sober-minded. Number two, the Bible says that Solomon pursued possessions. He pursued possessions. What does that mean for us? I believe God wants us to store our treasures in heaven. Amen? Store your treasures in heaven. In 2 Chronicles chapter 9, it gives us a brief overview of King Solomon's possessions. I'm going to read it to you here in verse 13. It says, each year Solomon received about 25 tons of gold. Check that out. Every year Solomon received about 25 tons of gold. That's a lot of gold. You guys know what gold goes for, right? Like, you know, like an ounce of gold? <laughs> Some of you who, who, who are, you know, collectors of gold and silver. It's a lot of money. Solomon had a lot of it. It says, it says, this, it says this amount did not even include the additional revenue he received from merchants and traders says all the kings of Arabia and the governors of the provinces also brought gold and silver to Solomon. You could only imagine 
how much gold this man had. The Bible says that, that he made all these shields out of gold. His throne was made of gold. I mean, even his drinking cups, the Bible says, were solid gold. That beats our Tupperware, doesn't it? Some of you thought that Tupperware was the best thing since, since uh, you know, I don't know. Solid gold. This man had it all. He was wealthy. But you know what the Bible never mentions in regards to Solomon's possessions? How Solomon was able to take all these things with him when he died. The Bible doesn't talk about it. I don't know how he did it. You know, he must have had some great movers that were able to move all his possessions with him when he died. It never happened. It never happened. Why? Because when Solomon died, everything stood here. You can't take it with you. We pursue all these things, and we say, if I have, if I have this and if I have that, it's going to bring satisfaction in my life. And Solomon says, it's all vanity. If he was here this morning speaking to you, he would tell you, stop pursuing this. And, you would, and, he, would, and he would ask you a question, what are you pursuing in life? And you would answer it, hopefully honestly, and he would say, it's vanity. It's vanity. Don't pursue that. Here's what you need to pursue. As I bring forth his message this morning. It doesn't matter. Instead, Jesus says this in Matthew 6, verse 19. He said, store your treasures in heaven, where moths cannot destroy, where thieves cannot steal. Amen? Hallelujah. See, it's in, it's in times just like these, in times of recessions, that many people will lose great amounts of financial uh, security. Many people will see great losses in retirement savings. It's in times like this. But it paints a much better picture for us that nothing on this earth has complete security in your life. Nothing. Nothing. It can be gone tomorrow. Instead, Jesus says, that's why I tell you to not to store things here on earth because you can't take it with you. He says, instead, store it in heaven. Store it in heaven. No one's going to touch it. No one's going to steal it. I promise you. When you invest into kingdom building, it will always be there. When you witness to that individual, yesterday we had an outreach. We were able to tell people, that God loves them. When you spend your time doing and reaching the lost, this is investing in the kingdom. This is storing your treasures in heaven. Amen? As you do this.
Thirdly, Solomon pursued relationships. What does that mean for us? That means that we need to focus on our relationship with God. Our relationship with God. You see, relationships are necessary. But we need to be careful that we are not relying on a person to bring us the satisfaction that can only be filled through a relationship with Jesus Christ. You need to be careful. You need to be careful. Because many times we've been let down, right? Because we, we, because we relied on a person. Well, this person's different. They love God. I believe they love God. But don't put them, don't put them before God. Because anything you put before God is going to be lost. And anything, anything you put God before is going to be kept and it's going to be strengthened. Amen? Whereas you put God before your relationships here on earth, God is going to help you to, to cultivate and strengthen those relationships. Amen? If you've been praying for your marriage, well, start putting God first. Start seeking him. And he's going to tell you what you need to do in order to mend the relationship. And guess what? God is going to change things in your life. He may not even change things in your partner's life, in your spouse's life. He's going to change things in your life. And you may not like it, but guess what? Tough luck. Tough luck. We've all had to do it, amen? We've all had to make changes in our lives. Why? Because God is directing us. Romans 5.8, Paul writes this. He says, but God shows his love for us in that, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Very important verse. I can't stress it enough. Why? Well, because the Bible says that we have done nothing to receive this love. You've done nothing to earn it. I in no way, shape, or form could have did enough good things to earn the love of God in my life. I couldn't do it on my own. This is key for us as believers. This one verse right here. But what it also says is that God's love has no conditions. What does that mean? That means that you didn't love him first. He loved you first. You didn't come, you didn't come crying to him first. God says, I'm going to send you. I'm going to send you my love in the form of my son. I'm going to send you this opportunity to have a relationship with me. We didn't choose God, he chose us. And this is so very key, it's foundational for us. See, God knew that there was gonna be individuals who, individuals who would reject him. He knew this, even though, even then, he still sent his son. 
even though he knew that people were going to spit in his face, that people were going to mock him, that people were going to stab him. He knew it, yet he still sent his love. Church, that gives us hope. That gives me hope. It's not based upon what I do. God loves me. You don't have to feel like you're inadequate. Why? Because God, because Jesus Christ is more than enough. Amen? He's more than enough. See, our relationship with God is built on and it's strengthened through prayer and the reading of his word. Moving on, Solomon pursued money. What does that mean for us? God is calling us to be a giver. God is calling you to be a giver this morning. Luke writes in Acts 20, verse 35, he says, it is better to give than to receive. What does that mean? That means that giving releases the blessings from God. Giving releases the blessings from God. Let me prove this to you this morning. Jesus says this in Luke 6:38. He says, "Give, and it will be given to you." That's Jesus speaking. "Give, and it will be given to you." That sounds like a promise to me. <laughs> that sounds like a promise to me. That doesn't sound like a, well, you know, maybe, well, you know, if, if I have enough resources. <laughs> Um, and, and, and you've done this and 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 this to meet these, these, these guidelines, then yeah. No, God is saying, give and it will be given to you. It doesn't get any simpler than that. As you give of your time to the Lord, as you help others, God may not give you 25 hours in a day, <laughs> He's not gonna, he, he won't give you more time in your day. But let me tell you what God does. You see, what God will do is he will put key people in your path that will help you get all the things you need to do to get those things done. That way, you have more time in your day to focus on what God wants you to focus on. This is how God operates. You see, sometimes we think so, we, we, we think too logical that we get lost, and we can't understand. Why? It's because you're trying to understand on your own brain, and it's not smart enough. God is smarter than us. And he says, I, I, won't, I won't add hours to your day, but I'm going to send you help. I'm going to send you help so that you can get all those things done that you've been so preoccupied with. And then, then you will have time to focus on those things that I want you to pursue. Solomon pursued work. What does that mean for us? That means serve as unto the Lord. Why? Because it never goes unnoticed. It never goes unnoticed when you serve as unto the Lord. Why? Because you're not worried about being noticed. 
You're not worried about getting the accolades. You're not worried about getting the fantastic job and, you know, getting a little sticker with a smiley face on it, like when you were a kid. Maybe some of you still need that now. I don't know. <laughs> I'm all out of stickers. <laughs> Let God bless you. Work as unto the Lord. Don't work as unto man. Why? Because man is going to let you down. Man is going to let you down. You do something. There may be times that the pastors won't say, you know, great job. And then you get all hurt. Oh, man, they don't appreciate me. No, we appreciate you. But work as unto the Lord. Why? Because God can bless you way better than we can bless you. Ephesians 4.12 says that we are to build up the church. Build up the church. Why? Because this church belongs to God. This is God's house. This, you're in God's house right now. And I believe that as you take care of God's house, <laughs> of course he is going to take care of your home. I mean, come on. This isn't rocket surgery here. I put two of them together. He's going to take care of you as you take care of the needs in his house. This is what he does. He is God. And he says, you put these things first, and I will take care of the rest. Beautiful. Beautiful relationship that we have with God. Solomon pursued music. What does that mean for us? That means that we need to worship God, amen? Just like you did this morning. You need to worship God. Jesus says in Luke 4, verse 8, he says, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Why? Because our existence and our eternity is going to be spent worshiping God. It's going to be spent worshiping God. Whether you, whether you like it or not, we were created to worship God. And so that's what God's going to have us do for eternity, forever and ever and ever. We will sing his praises. See, I love music just like the rest of you. I probably love it a little more than, than some of you here. I love music. Love it. But I know that music is very influential. That's why I have to be careful of the things that go into these ears. I have to be careful that I can't put on certain tunes that I might think are cool. It doesn't matter. It's going to influence my life. And you may think, well, there's nothing wrong with it. I've been listening to it for 40 years. Then you've been doing it wrong for 40 years. And you've been hindering your walk with Christ for 40 years. You've been walking in the wilderness. You've been, you've, been, you've been in the desert, amen? For 40 years you've been in there. And God wants you to take you out, amen? And he wants to fill your mind with his worship. He wants to fill your mind with his word. Some of you didn't realize the effect that it was having upon your life. And many, many sadly, many Christians will say, what's so wrong with that? That question right there. That question 
is what's wrong with it. The fact that you even asked what's wrong with it shows your heart. You see, God, Jesus came to reveal the heart, amen? He came to reveal the heart of man, and he brought so many things out while he was here on earth that many people thought, I'm living according to God's word, and Jesus says, no, you're not. I understand the influence of music upon my life. And every day, every day, I have to make a choice. And sometimes, sometimes some days are harder than others. And sometimes, you know, it, it, it gets me. And I'm like, oh, man, why did I do that? But we need to be careful. We need to be mindful of those things that we are allowing into our ears. That may seem so harmless. It's interesting because today we use music to receive from, right? Don't we? Whenever we listen to music, we're, we're always thinking of what I want to hear, what, uh, uh, what I need at this time, right? If you're depressed, you know, you listen to emo music, right? Uh, you know, he or she left me, and uh, you know, I, I need some emo music. You know, we, we, we search after these things. If you wanna, if you wanna, you know, have a good time, right? You throw on something with a with a with a beat, you know. <laughs> we look for what we can get from it, don't we, in music? But I believe God created music to give. I believe God created music to give, to give. It wasn't to receive. It wasn't to see what you can get from it. God says, no, music is for me. Music is to worship me. And when we, and when we look at it in a form of, of what I can get from it, then we're looking at it in the, wrong, in the wrong perspective. Lastly here, Solomon pursued fame and power. What does that mean for us? We need to have a humble heart. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, have a humble heart. Easier said than done, right? First Peter chapter 5, verse 6 says, So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Now, I don't read this thinking that, you know, any of us are, are looking for uh, what's in store for us, you know, I don't think we're looking, you know, to be honored, I guess what I'm saying. But this is just what happens when you submit yourself unto the Lord. He blesses you. And he honors you. And he raises you up. Even though you may not have even wanted those things. This is what God does this is part of the process of being obedient to him and submitting your life unto his authority. And let me tell you right now, when God lifts you up, no man can bring you down. No one can bring you down. No one, no one can try to hold you from doing this or that. Why? Because God is directing you, and God's power is greater than any power that any man has here on earth, and greater than any power of the enemy. And God is always 
always victorious. Amen? Let him be victorious in your life this morning as we pursue the things that matter. Let's not be like Solomon. He had everything, and it was meaningless. It was meaningless. And some of you say, well, you know what? Solomon wasn't as smart as me. If I had what he had, I could be happy. Come on. Really? Hopefully that's no one's thinking right now. I mean, apparently you never, you've never seen the news or watched the news and seen all these celebrities who are, who are sadly committing suicide because they feel they don't have anything. And yet they have everything that you're looking for. Isn't that weird? Don't come to that conclusion because you know it's not true. Don't lie to yourself and say, if I had this, it'll make me happy. And, and if I had what so-and-so had, they're using it wrong. I can use it better. That's a lie from the pit of hell. You see, God wants you to pursue these things that were mentioned here this morning. It's in complete rebuttal, complete opposite of what Solomon found himself doing for his life. You are blessed. Why? Because you don't get to waste that time that Solomon wasted. From this day forward, if you choose to, no one's going to force you. If you choose to, you can live a life with purpose. Amen? As every head is bowed, every eye closed.